0: Father in heaven, we adore you. On this midweek service, this Wednesday night, we gather, Father, to worship you, to adore you, and to to praise you, Lord Jesus. You are the glory of heaven. You are the king of our hearts. Holy Spirit, please minister to us tonight through the word of God. Strengthen us. Equip us, gift us. Father, do your mighty work in our souls, in that inner man. Father, we pray these things in the mighty name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. All right, well, turning your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's see here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're, we're going to be hovering in the 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14 uh, tonight, and I uh, got a lot to go through tonight, tonight we're, we're looking at prophecy, we're looking at discernment, we're looking at tongues, and we're looking at interpretation of tongues. So I hope that you're, the wheels are turning, I hope you have lots of questions about these things, we're going to spend two-thirds of tonight talking about tongues. Because that's the big one that everybody likes to talk about. That's the big gift that a lot of people have a lot of questions about. And surprisingly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, the apostle spends the most time, the most verses, talking on the subject of tongues. So uh, let's dive into it. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word As we study tonight, Lord, open our hearts, let us see the truth of your word, and let us have a better understanding tonight of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start at verses 7 through 10, where the scripture says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by one spirit, and to another, effecting of miracles. And here it is. Here's where we're, we're zoning in tonight. Is right here at verse 10. And to another, prophecy, to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, the various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So let's go through each one of these one by one, and let's see what the scripture says about these gifts. So number one, and we, we've, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but we're talking about it again tonight because it gets mentioned in multiple gift lists throughout the text, but the first one is prophecy. The, the main primary verse for the gift of prophecy to understand what prophecy is for today is you have to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, where the scripture says, but to the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and for exhortation and consolation. I can't stress this enough that we look at the words of the verse, because one of the key important principles on the gift of prophecy is, what does it say there? Speaks to men. That's very important in our understanding. As we go through and we look at prophecy and we look at tongues, you're gonna see that these gifts are directed different directions, but this one, he speaks to men. For edification, the gift of prophecy is prophetically speaking into someone's life. That's what the gift of prophecy looks like today. It could be you mentoring someone, discipling them, but you're speaking into their life. Now, what do we want to be speaking into people's lives? The scriptures, the word of God. There's no better tool for discipling than that of the Holy Scriptures. So the Holy Spirit uses a person with the gift of prophecy today to, to speak into people's lives. And there's three, wor- three words we see in, in verse 3 that's very important that describe what's taking place. What are they? One is edification. What does edification mean? Edification means to build up to build up. So when you speak, when you prophetically speak into someone's life, the scriptures and your discipling them, you are building them up. You are shoring up their foundation and you're building their life. That's very, very important. The second one there is exhortation. What is exhortation? Exhortation is direction in life. It's direction in life. It's you, by the scriptures, through the prophetic gift, by the Holy Spirit, through the discipling process, you're pointing them in the right direction in life, okay? It's not just enough just to get our hearts right with the Lord, even though that's the most important thing, our salvation, but it's to get them pointed in the right direction. You know, when, you know coming to Christ and being a Christian is more than salvation. Now, if you have salvation, you have everything, but that's just the beginning of the walk. Because hopefully you're being discipled, you're being mentored, and someone is prophetically speaking into your life to give you direction. But it can also be, this, this word exhortation, it could also be warning. It could also be warning. And when you're prophetically speaking into people's lives, not only are you building them up, not only are you uh, directing them in life, but you're also warning them of the dangers of sin. You're warning them of things that you may see in their life that, that aren't right. And you're lovingly, kindly, gracefully, warning them. And the third one is consolation. He uh, says there in chapter 14, verse 3, consolation is comfort and encouragement. I remember a couple months ago, me and my wife were standing right over there on a Sunday morning. We had an altar call, and, people, and there was a young lady come up, and she poured her heart out to us, and she told us what was going on. And she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. This is falling apart. This is falling apart. I don't know what to do. And me and Irene didn't know what she was going to come up and pray for. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just put Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 on my heart. And I told told this young lady, after Irene prayed for her, I said, you know what? I feel like the Lord is saying right now, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Ma'am, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path place christ first and i believe that that was the gift the prophecy in the moment by the holy spirit speaking through me and my wife to this young lady we were praying for that is the prophetic gift one who prophesies speaks to men and women for edification exhortation and consolation also we see in the book of acts that the uh The Holy Spirit can also use this gift of prophecy to warn about current events. I believe the Lord, the Spirit, can reveal to people with this gift of prophecy things that are taking place in our world today and say, Oh, that's not good. That's going to bring judgment. Or, Oh, that's really good. That's going to bring blessing. People have that prophetic gift today. We see it in Acts chapter 11, verse 27 through 28. 28. Where it says, now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. So prophecy can be prophetic warning of things fixing to happen. You know, we see things in the world today. Things are are, are going south. They're going south quick. And, we can, and, and there's people with the gift of prophecy that see these things taking place. And they can say, Man, if, if we don't repent, if we don't turn back to the Lord, you know, we are going to incur God's judgment. Or they can look over to another place and say, Man, did you hear about all those people coming to Christ? Did you hear about the revival that's taking place? Those are words of prophecy that we see in accordance with Acts chapter 11. Um, very important. Because when people think about prophecy, sometimes people talk about prophetic words and, and, they, and then they talk about the scriptures. But it's very important to note that the gift of prophecy does not carry the same weight as the Bible. That's a very important principle to understand about this gift. No matter what anybody says prophetically, nothing compares or stands equal with the scripture. As a matter of fact, Anything that is said today prophetically uh, is to be judged. that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says. It says when when someone prophesies, people are to examine it and look at it. So we don't buy everything hook, line, and sinker. You know, sometimes we hear prophecies and and we hold on to them because we want to test them. We want to examine them. So that's the gift of of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is edifying, exhorting, consolation, speaking into someone's life, but it also can be, because we see it in Acts chapter 11, uh, talking about current events. So that's the gift of prophecy. The next one is discernment. Discernment. The the next gift of the Holy Spirit, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, he says, the NASB says the distinguishing of spirits. Some translations say the, uh, the spirit of discernment. But discernment, man, this is a beautiful gift. I can't, I can't emphasize this gift enough. God, in his sovereignty, by the Holy Spirit, he gave the gift of discernment to protect the church. To, to, to protect and guard the church. He's given people within the body the gift of discernment to know truth from error. To know when someone's telling the truth or someone's telling a lie. To identify false teaching, and things that aren't biblical. Um, the discernment means to separate, examine, judge, to determine what is genuine and what is fake. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives within the body of believers is he gives certain people a, a, a discernment, a distinguishing of spirits, and they have the ability to recognize a lying spirit. Oh, that's, you're, that person's not being honest. That person's not being on the up and up. You know, that's, that's what that is. Th- this gift, as a matter of fact, this gift of discernment, it comes, it, comes, it comes as a package deal. You know what it comes with? It comes with sirens. You know what sirens are? Sirens, it comes with internal sirens. And when you hear something that's not right, you hear something that's not biblical, all of a sudden those sirens start going off inside your heart and head. Whoop, 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 danger, danger, that's not right. So it, it comes with sirens, okay? The Holy Spirit will bring it to their attention. Hey, this ain't right. This ain't biblical. This ain't truth. So we need to listen to the sirens, okay? Okay. If you hear somebody say something, if you hear Pastor David say something, man, I'm not above correction. You know, I've had brothers in Christ come to me and say, hey man, you know, can you clarify what you said? Hey, you know, I'm not sure about what you said. And there's been a couple times upon further review, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that. You're right. And then there's other times where I was able to clarify it and straighten it all out. But no one is above correction. No one in the body of Christ. Now also, This gift, discernment, it can be abused. (laughs) It can be abused. There are people that they think they are God's police. And they they go around criticizing every church except theirs. Okay? Because their church and and them, they're perfect. They have a critical spirit. You know, they have a a judgmental uh, critical spirit. And they're just constantly... and just nagging away at every little detail. And for the most part, a lot of that stuff, it just gets on my nerves. But John MacArthur talks about this in his commentary. John MacArthur says this, and I quote, talking about the gift of discernment being abused. MacArthur says, The gift of discernment can easily deteriorate into a critical, proud, self-righteous spirit. It can be judgmental, instead of corrective. I love what John said there. In his commentary, I'm just quoting it. He says, it can be judgmental instead of corrective. That's very important with the gift of discernment, family, is not only do we want to call out error, but, 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 but we want to be corrective. We, w- we want to bring the solution. We want to bring the answer. We want to right the ship. You know, we don't want to just judge people and, and, and leave you know, just fire our rounds at them and then take off. No, we want to say, hey, man, listen, I see what you're saying, I see what you're doing, but this is what the Bible says. And let's, let's open up our Bibles together and let's take a look at this. That's the spirit of discernment. The spirit of discernment comes out with, with love and compassion and says, I want to help you grow. That's the spirit of discernment. So we have the gift of prophecy. We have the gift of discernment. Now let's tackle the gift of tongues. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. We'll start there in tongues. And we will be here for the majority, not, not this verse, but we'll be talking about tongues for the majority. Of the night, a lot of people have questions about tongues. So I want to do my very best to, to answer some questions about speaking in tongues. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says... To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. That first verse that we're looking at, the thing that grabbed me the most is where he uses the phrase, various kinds. He uses various kinds. And the reason I point that out is, is Pastor David, I personally believe that there are two types of, of tongues in the New Testament when it comes to speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about interpretation of tongues. We're talking about just tongues. I see two things taking place in the New Testament when it comes to the subject of tongues. And the first tongue I see in scripture is what I have called a language tongue. A language tongue. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, and and I'm gonna show you the language tongue, and then we'll talk about the second tongue which I believe is a prayer language that God gives to people within the body of Christ. So let's look at language, tongue. Acts chapter two, verse one. One of the most famous passages of the Bible, the church, the, the birth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when the, on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two, verse one says. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And I call this the language tongue because this is a tongue in a known language. Go back to verse six. Verse six says, hearing them speak in his own language. Verse eight, uh, and how is it that each of them, each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Verse 10, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Family, that is a language, okay? That's crystal clear from the text. There's, there's no debate there. The, the Holy Spirit, the tongues that fell on these disciples, they began to speak, but the tongues that they were speaking was in an unknown tongue to them, but it was in a known language to those around. And they were like, wow! You know, they even they thought they were drunk. They were like, how did they know this? It was the gift of Tongues. It was the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the disciples there on the day of Pentecost. That is what I call the, uh, the, 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 um, the language tongue, which is a language that we all understand. But I also believe, as we look back at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10, various kinds, a second tongue is called what we call a prayer language. So turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. And here we'll be talking quite a while uh, on the prayer language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands but his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Back in Acts chapter 2, uh, they were, they were um, speaking to men. Men heard the language. But here, he, he said, it says, he speaks in a tongue, and he does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. What are we doing when we speak to God? What are we doing? We're praying. We're praying. We are communing with God. The, you know, this, this, I believe, is a, pr- a prayer language, and we're going to see this developed uh, Throughout the rest of this, uh, this portion of scripture. And, and also notice it says, and no one understands. So, this prayer language, this speaking in tongues, this referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. When he uses that phrase, in his spirit he speaks mysteries, I think about this prayer language that's being talked about is deep within the soul of the believer. This, this, is, this is deep within the heart. This is that groaning by the Spirit. This is that deep intercessory prayer that is going up to the Lord from the heart of the believer. And family, I just want to say this. I, wanna, I just want to say this when it comes to tongues. Pastor David, I do not care about being in the Pentecostal camp. I do not care about being in the Reformed camp. I got brothers I love in the Pentecostal camp and I got brothers I love in the Reformed camp, but I'm not gonna try to lean toward their view, Reformed or Pentecostal. What I want is a biblical view. I just wanna see what the text says, see what the the Word of God says and hold to what it says and and do my very best not to lean to the left or right, but, but just be biblical. Just be biblical and understand what the scripture says about tongues. And with that said, I believe that there's a, a language tongue with Acts chapter 2, and then there's a prayer tongue. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, the passage the, the, the passages of scripture where Paul talks about tongues is, is three chapters. Is chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. There are 84 verses in those three chapters. I do not have enough time to go through all 84 of those verses. We would be here for a very long time. So what I've chosen to do is I am going to ask them questions. I'm going to I'm going uh, I'm I'm to present to you some common questions people have about uh, tongues and then I'm going to point you to the scripture where I believe the answer is. And we're going to, we're going to kind of work our way through uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. There'll be some parts where we skip over. Because I'm really just going to focus on the passages that answer the following questions. So the first question that people have about tongues is this. Does everybody speak in tongues? Does every, every, does every believer have the gift of tongues? Look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 27. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 30, I believe answers this question of, does everyone have the gift of tongues? Uh, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, "'Now you are Christ's body "'and individually members of it. "'And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, "'then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, there's that word again, various kinds of tongues, multiple kinds of tongues. And then he's he's going to go into these questions of verse 29. All are not apostles, are they? Question mark. All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gift of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? What Paul is doing here in this, in this passage of Scripture is he's asking a rhetorical question. He's asking a rhetorical question. And the point is, not everyone has the gift of healing. Not everyone has the gift of interpretation. Not everyone speaks in tongues. This is where I wish my cessationist brothers and my non-cessationist brothers would show a little bit of grace. You know, not everybody has the gift. And not everybody exercised this gift. In matter of, but, but also, but keep, in, keep in note, not everyone has the gift of tongues, the, the gift of tongues but i, I got to bring this up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, uh, Paul does say this. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. But, he, but he's going to go on in that passage, and we'll talk about it more, but even more I wish you would prophesy. And you're going to see, especially when we get to chapter 14, man, Prophecy trumps tongues, okay, when it comes to the gifts. Think about what we said about prophecy. What is prophecy? It's building up, it's edifying, it's exhorting, it's discipling, it's speaking into people's lives. And Paul is going to make this crystal clear in chapter 14 that that gift trumps uh, tongues. So, does everyone speak in tongues? And the answer is no, they do not. Not everyone has the gift of tongues, Next question, did tongues end at the end of the apostolic age? That is something that we hear a lot, especially in the Reformed community, that, that the sign gifts, the gift of tongues, they ended at the, at the, with the close of the, the, the canon of Scripture, at the close of the church, at the close of the first century, that these sign gifts went away. You know, what's important is, what does the Scripture say when it, when it comes to answering the question did the tongues end after the apostolic age? That answer to that question can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 8 through 10. Okay, let's let the text speak. Let the scripture speak. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 8, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is, if but Excuse me, if there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, here it is, here's the key part of this verse, verse 10. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. So to understand that these gifts have have gone, we need to figure out what is he talking about here in verse 10? What is he talking about when he says, when the perfect has come? What is the perfect that has come? Amen. That that is the answer, Jesus. But some people will say, "Well, the perfect will come when the canon of Scripture is complete." You know, once the Bible is finalized, we no longer need these gifts. The church is established, and we have the 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 scriptures, and the scripture carries us forward. Okay, I, I, I love Pastor John MacArthur. I have learned so much from him, and I still learn so much from Pastor MacArthur. He does. He's probably one of the greatest expositors of our age when it comes to teaching the Scripture. And I want I to share with you from John MacArthur's commentary. And John MacArthur, being a Reformed preacher, you know, they believe that, that tongues has ceased and that that was a gift for the first century. But I want to read to you, I want to quote to you from his commentary on verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. That phrase in verse 10, it says, When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. This is what Pastor MacArthur says, and I love this because I know his position, but the man is faithful to the text, and he does a wonderful job of expositing the Scriptures. But John MacArthur says this in reference to that phrase, when the perfect comes. I quote, what precisely is the perfect thing that is to come? Some Christians believe the perfect has already come in the completion of Scripture, but that idea would have been meaningless to the Corinthians. Nowhere in this letter does he mention or allude to such a scriptural completion. Another reason the perfect cannot refer to the completion of scripture is found in Paul's statement that we'll look at in just a minute, that we'll see him face to face in verse 12. Scripture gives a wonderful and reliable picture of God, but it does not allow us to see him face to face. Peter speaks of many believers, even of his own day, who have not seen him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible does not give a face-to-face vision of God. No Christian before or after the completion of the New Testament has known the Lord as he has been fully known. End of quote. Pastor MacArthur's commentary of 1 Corinthians 1984, page 364 to 365. And John MacArthur even says that this phrase here cannot refer to the completion of Scripture. So when, uh, the, so when will tongues end? When will tongues end? When, if, you, if you're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look down at verse 12. Verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... But then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. These gifts of the Spirit will end when we see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Praise the Lord. When we reach glory. You know, what was meant to unite the body of Christ has unfortunately divided the body of Christ. We need to understand that the gifts are to build up the body to edify the body. And we, we need to say, Lord, show me my gift. Show me the gift that you want me to walk in. Do you have a prayer language for me in my prayer closet, in my time with you where I can pray from the deep recesses of my heart and pray in tongues and pray in the spirit? I, I believe it is for today. You know, there, there, there is really no, there's no definitive verse in the New Testament that says that this has in. Now, I understand, I, I do understand, fully understand, we've seen a lot of abuse, okay? We, 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 we've seen a, a lot of abuse and a lot of um, unbiblical things happen and take place in churches where the gifts were abused, and that's shame on them. They shouldn't abuse the gifts. But, but that doesn't mean that we, we push them aside and ignore them, you know? We need to use the gifts of the spirit in accordance with the scripture. You know, If it's done biblically, then it's godly. If it doesn't follow the scripture, then it's not. So did tongues end at the, at the end of the apostolic age? I would say no, they have not. But it's a, it's a prayer language. It's a prayer language that God gives you in your prayer closet, in your time of prayer where you can storm the gates of heaven for the kingdom of God. And you can pray and the Holy Spirit will give you words, utterances, sounds. He, it will come from the, your innermost being where you are fervently praying to the Lord. That is this prayer language that is talked about. So I do not believe it ended with the apostolic age. Next question. How, what are some, what are, give, us some, give me some descriptions, Pastor David. Give me, some des, give me some biblical descriptions of what the Bible says about tongues. Because if we're going to do it right, it's got to be done biblically. And if it's not done biblically, then it's not right, okay? And it's not of the Lord. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. How does Paul... God, inspired word, describe this prayer tongue. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He says there, for the one who speaks in a tongue, we, we talked about this verse earlier, but I'm going over it again. But the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but his spirit, he speaks mysteries. So three characteristics of this prayer language according to 1 Corinthians fourteen two, is first off, he does not speak to men, but he speaks to God, that's prayer. That's prayer closet. That's, that's interceding. That's praying. Um, and then it says, no one understands. No one can understand what the person is saying. And it says, in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. I found this, I found this uh, on Bible Logos. and I want to give you a quote from uh, a very reputable source. Which I was like, wow, this is exactly where Calvary Chapel stands. But I want to quote to you from Baker's encyclopedia of the bible and i quote from that that encyclopedia it says this according about verse 2 according to paul speaking in tongues is to be used primarily as a private devotional exercise for one's own ed- for one's own edification and man brothers and sisters that nails Nails it down right where Calvary Chapel stands. If you go research what Calvary Chapel believes about tongues, that's exactly what Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel and the Calvary Chapel movement teaches, that it is indeed a real thing for today, and it is a prayer language to go to God. You're speaking to God. We'll talk about this a little more in a second. Prophecy speaks to man. Tongues speak to God. So those are three characteristics. Let's continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at the next two verses. Um, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Again, family, looking at verses three and four, it's real simple. I'll try to help you picture it in your mind. Prophecy speaks to men, According to verse 3, and in verse 4, tongues, what does it say? The text says, he edifies himself. This is the only gift of all the gifts of the, of the Spirit that, that edifies the believer. All the other gifts of the Spirit, they edify the person you're ministering to. But in verse 4, he said, the one who speaks in tongues, he edifies himself. The, the point that, this is the point that Paul is, is driving home. And he continues this thought. Keep that in mind, and let's look at the next verse, verses 5 and 6. He says, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy and teaching. Interesting, there in verse five, the apostle says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I wish that you all had this gift. But now, what we're going to see is, uh, well, and, and most likely the church there at Corinth, they were abusing this gift. And Paul's going to put it in his proper perspective in church worship and in church life. And, he's, and we're going to see this as we go through here, that he's going to say, tongues should not be the priority, but prophecy should be. Prophecy should be. Prophecy, what he's saying in verses five and six, prophecy is greater than tongues. In a church gathering, prophecy trumps tongues because why? You look at the end of verse six. Because when prophecy takes place, when the speaking forth of God's word takes place and the edifying and the exhortation takes place, you have revelation, you have knowledge, you have prophecy, and you have teaching. Do you, are y'all seeing it? Are y'all, is, it, is, it coming, is it coming together? Is this helping you understand the, these gifts better? I hope so. And, and then also, we saw what he just said in verses 5 and 6. Paul's going to reiterate this point. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18 of, of 1 Corinthians 14. He, he almost says the exact same, exact same thing over again. He reiterates it. In verse 18, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So 10,000 words in a tongue is not going to do the church good compared to what can be done with prophecy. And look at verse 18. This is very important. Very, very important. I want you to think about this. In verse 18, the apostle says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. And I'm going to tell you why I find that fascinating. Because if you go to the book of Acts there is not one verse in the book of Acts that talks about the Apostle Paul speaking in tongues. Think about that for a minute. The the main character in the book of Acts, after the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is Paul. But throughout all his missionary journeys, throughout all his preaching, throughout all the churches he went to, there is not one single verse in the book of Acts that references the Apostle Paul Speaking in tongues. Now, I would think, Luke being the author of Acts, traveling with Paul, that if Paul, if he heard Paul speak in tongues, he, he, he may have wrote it. I know I'm arguing f- from, a, from a point of silence here because the text doesn't say. But the point is, Acts doesn't record no, Paul not speaking in tongues. But here he says in verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. You know what I, you know what I believe? This is Paul's prayer language. This is Paul's prayer language. And Luke would not have heard the apostles' prayer language. You know, what do you think got Paul through those shipwrecks, through those beatings, through all of the tireless nights and, and weary travel? I believe it, it was that deep, intercessory prayer that Paul had in the book of Acts. This not recorded in Acts because Luke didn't hear it. Luke didn't see it. But here in verse 18, Paul says, family, I spoke, I speak, excuse me, I speak in tongues more than you all. It was his prayer language, I believe. I believe it was his prayer language. But now he says, but when you come to church, verse 19 I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in tongue. In other words, that's my prayer life. That's my intercessory time. That's my connecting with the throne room of God. But when I come to church, it's about prophecy. It's about edification. It's about exhortation. It's about the instruction of the scriptures. It's about the instruction of the word. You know, this teaching, this ministry, what takes place in the church life should all be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. It should be done and and worked as the Spirit works in our life for building each other up, encouraging encouraging each other. Now, I want to share with you something that is just huge. And it just blew me out the water this week As I studied this passage, I'm fixing to share with you. Now listen, if you don't follow me closely, you will get lost, okay? I'm just letting you know right now, because I'm fixing to go into detail of this passage and what you need to understand is, and this is, you're going to be like, what did you just say? Go back behind me and check me. But the gift of tongues was also a judgment, The gift of tongues was also a judgment. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21 through 25. And the reason I put it all up on the screen, I know it's a little hard to read, but I wanted the whole entire family to see these five verses and see the argument and the point that the apostle is making in this text. It's very profound. It's very profound and it's very deep and it's very theological, and I think it's really, really cool, because you wouldn't think about tongues and judgment, but tongues were a judgment to the nation of Israel. Let's look at it together. First of all, I'm going to read it through, then we'll go back and explain it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21 through 25. Fascinating passage. By the way, volumes volumes of books have been written on this one passage, okay? There's books this thick that have been written on this one text that we're fixing to look at, but I want you to, I want you to go all night understanding it. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21 through 25 says, in the law it is written, by the men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues Are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and an ungifted man or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are mad? Verse 24. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever, an ungifted man, enters. He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed so that he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Now, the, again, I'm going to reemphasize it again. As we go through this passage and, and the, the verses after this, the point that Paul is making is that prophecy trumps tongues. But here, all of a sudden, as Paul is penning this letter, His mind, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes back to Isaiah chapter 11. So let's look at this. Verse 21 says, In the law it is written, By the men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Verse 21 is a quote from Isaiah chapter 28 verses 11 and 12. In Isaiah's day, Israel was unwilling to listen, listen to me guys, Israel was unwilling to listen to the clear, simple to understand language of God's prophets. So God says to them, fine, you don't want to listen to my prophets? You refuse to listen to them? I will speak to you through the strange tongues of the Assyrian army that takes them into captivity, that, that that comes in and takes them into captivity for their unbelief. Look at verse 22 and 23. Two phrases that you, you, that you need to understand is the first two words in verse 22, so then. That's so important in interpreting this text. And then in verse 23, the word therefore. You need to understand what those phrases mean. In verse 22, that phrase so then, that, those two words connect um, verse 22 and 21. When he says, so then, he's saying basically, in light of verse 21, in light of Isaiah's prophecy, he says, tongues are not for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So when he uses that phrase, so then, Paul is explaining Isaiah's prophecy in verse 21. The sign that's referenced in verse 21 was the Assyrians with their foreign tongue bringing judgment on unbelieving Israel. They did not know what was happening. It was like, ah, what's taking place here? Why is this happening? As the Assyrians came in with their foreign tongues and, and they they took, them, they took them into captivity. So verse 22 is Paul's commentary, explanation of verse 21. Why did I know that? Because he uses the word, the phrase, so then, so then. In light of this, this is what this is. And then he says, but prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. The prophecy of scripture, which is the promises of God, were for believing Israel, okay? Okay, so verses 21 and 22 is about Israel, Is about what took place with the judgment of the Assyrians coming in with their foreign tongue and taking the nation of Israel into captivity. When that took place, it rocked their world. It was chaos. It was chaotic. They didn't know what was taking place. Now, when you get to verse 23 through 24, now Paul turns his attention to the church. How do I know that? Look at the first word, therefore. He used the word therefore. Because of this... The word therefore is, is shifting to a new subject based on the argument that was just made. Okay, therefore, what's it there for? Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? The unbelievers coming into a gathering of people speaking in tongues will be like the Israelites with the Assyrians who took them captive. It will be chaos, and they will not understand what is happening. That's what it will be like. They'll, they'll be like, what, are these people crazy? All this speaking in tongues? You know, it'll, they'll be like, are they mad? Are they crazy? Look at verse 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters... He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. The point of verses 21 through 25 is this the Apostle Paul is elevating prophecy over tongues in the church gathering. Prophecy is understandable, it's spoken. And it builds people up and it speaks directly, prophecy speaks directly to the believer. When the Holy Spirit is in operation and the prophetic word is being spoken, people's hearts are touched. Or as my wife, Irene, would say, God read their mail. God read their mail and now he's revealing himself through prophecy and the prophetic word. You know, when the gift is operating and the prophetic word is going forth and the scriptures are going forth, people are ministered to. The Holy Spirit speaks into their life. The Holy Spirit reveals to them something they're doing wrong, something they need to repent of, okay? And why is that taking place? Because of prophecy. And that's something that that won't take place if if tongues are taking place. And then what, what does it do to the unbeliever who comes in? Not not a room filled with people speaking in tongues, but a room where the prophetic gift is, is, is in operation. What, what will happen according to verse 25? The, the unbeliever is convicted and the secrets of his heart are revealed and they fall on their face and they worship God because God is truly here. That is the point of um, verses 21 through 25. But it's interesting I mean, go back and st- study this passage. The, this Paul quoting Isaiah the prophet when the Assyrians came in with their foreign tongue. Because it says in verse 21, by the men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, if you go back to Isaiah, he's talking about the Assyrians coming in, I will speak to this people. You don't want to God says, you don't want to listen to me? Okay, I got your number. You will listen, and you will bow, at Israel, and you will do what I say. Because I'm going to send people in, and I will send people in with strange tongues. And even so, they will not listen to me. Meaning that Israel would even reject that and would be taken into captivity. Let's continue, verse 26. Verse 26, but again, the point is, prophecy here, tongues after it. Verse 26 says, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. That's so important right there. That as the gifts flow, that we build each other up, that we edify, that we edify each other, that we encourage each other, that we have a psalm, we have a teaching, we have a revelation, we have a tongue, we have an interpretation that we build each other up. The gifts of the Spirit are not meant to scare people. They're meant to encourage people. And it, the, the gifts are meant to say, man, our God is an awesome God. and He, he rules and He reigns and He is sovereign. I, I, had, I, I, saw, I witnessed one of these gifts, an operation right after I became a Christian. I was on the carrier Eisenhower in Norfolk and somebody sent me a prophetic word and I just remember I was there, looking out across the bay of the Chesapeake Bay, looking out to the Atlantic Ocean from the flight deck of the aircraft carrier, and I was looking at this prophetic word that this brother had given me, and and nobody knew about what, what, what was taking place in my life, but yet God showed it to him and he showed it to me. It just made me stand in awe of God. It made me say, wow, there really is a God above. There truly is a God in heaven. This is not just our religion. This is not our way of thinking. This is not what makes life better for us. This is the true and living God speaking through his word, through the gifts, through the scripture, through pastors, through churches, through believers. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be done, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn and one must interpret But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, this is important to note in verse 27. Paul does not forbid, okay? Paul just made the argument for all these verses, prophecy over tongues. But he does say here, Paul does not forbid tongues in a church. But what does he do, though? This is very important. He establishes rules. He establishes rules. I see see three rules there in verse 27 that need to be followed. First one is, it should be by two or at the most uh, three. In other words, it should be done orderly and organized. It should be done orderly and organized. It should not be chaotic and it should not be weird, but it should be natural and flowing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And And then he says in verse 27, he says, each in turn. In other words, it's not chaos. And if, if it does turn chaotic, what happens then? Go back to verse 23. They will think you're all mad. <laughs> they will think you're crazy. Unbelievers will come in and say, you're out of your mind. So it's to be done each in turn. And then verse, uh, the third part of uh, verse 27, He says, one must interpret. There must be someone there who has the interpretation of tongue's gift And that brings us to our fourth and final gift that we're looking at tonight, and that is the interpretation of tongues gift. This gift is given by the Holy Spirit that enables a believer to communicate a message in tongues into the language of the believers assembled. I have never exercised this gift, but I have witnessed it. I have witnessed it in churches, and I I, I know a brother specifically by name, Jim Sidebottom, uh, at my church in Virginia, he had this gift of, the, of interpretation of tongues. And this brother man, he was a mighty man of God. He was a prayer warrior. He was a man that was single, did not want to get married. He just had Bible studies three or four days a week. He was just all about ministry. He was all about discipling. But I, I witnessed him, this was back in the 90s. He had this gift of interpretation of tongues. And he was able, I can't tell you much about it because I've never experienced it. But I have seen the gift. I have seen the gift in operation. So that's the fourth gift that's mentioned here in our text um, on the gifts of the Spirit. And let's finish this up, verse 39 and 40. Therefore, my brother, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. In other words, if you have the gift of prophecy, use it. Exhort people, encourage people, build up the body of Christ, disciple, speak into people's lives. Man, if, if the Holy Spirit is giving you that gift, use it. If you have the gift of a prayer language, God bless you. God bless you. Pray fervently, go to your prayer closet, and storm the gates of heaven. Exercise the gift the Holy Spirit has given to you. And if you don't have either one of these gifts, then pray and ask the Lord to show you the gift he has for you. Maybe he has a different gift uh, for you to minister to the body of Christ. In verse 40, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. There's nothing weird or chaotic about the gifts of the Spirit. We need to welcome them into the body as they are exercised in accordance with the word of God. And we need to pray that God will use each of us mightily with the gifts that he has given us for the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Father, for these gifts. And Father, we don't coerce people. We don't twist people's arms. But Lord, we just call upon you. I call upon you, Lord God, by by the power of your spirit to work in the hearts of your people and you show them the gift. It could be administration. It could be service. It could be encouraging. It could be tongues. It it, it could be uh, discernment. But Father, whatever gift that you have for your children, you reveal it to them by your Holy Spirit and confirm it in the Scripture and let them operate in their gift, in their calling. Lord, let that be the heart cry of us all, Lord, to be used mightily by you. We don't want people to look at us and say, wow, look at him or look at her. God, we want people to see us and say, wow, how great is God. How mighty is God. How awesome is the work of the Spirit. So Lord, work mightily in our hearts. Work mightily in our lives. And let us minister to one another and build each other up until that day we see you face to face. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." amen. Amen.